Welcome to McKinsey on Startups, a series focused on helping entrepreneurs and investors accelerate growth. Brought to you by Fuel, the firm's startup practice. Each episode, McKinsey editor Daniel Eisenberg speaks with founders, investors, and industry experts to share the latest perspectives across borders and sectors. Hello, and welcome to McKinsey on Startups. I'm Daniel Eisenberg. On today's episode, we speak with Luis Canadell, the co-founder and CEO of Trenta, a Colombia-based fintech startup focused on helping Latin American micro-businesses transition into the digital age. Across Latin America, there are some 50 million micro-merchants or micro-businesses, typically sole proprietors or those with less than 10 employees. They collectively generate as much as an estimated third of the total economy, but the vast majority still rely on pen and paper for record-keeping and inventory management. Trenta's super app helps this class of merchants use their smartphones to do record-keeping, inventory management, receive digital payments, create online stores, and access a B2B marketplace. The company's name comes from its original selling point of promising to save micro-merchants 30 minutes a day and increase their efficiency by 30%. Launched by Canadell and co-founder Mon Hei Lu in 2020 with support from startup accelerator Y Combinator, Trenta now has around 5 million active users across 18 countries. Earlier this year, it raised $46 million in a Series A, one of the largest such raises in Latin America, bringing its total funding to around $60 million. The company has a goal of expanding its micro-business ecosystem to one day include lending and additional services, all enabled by part of what Canadell calls the democratization of financial services. Welcome to the podcast, Luis. Great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. You and your co-founder both attended business school in Barcelona. Can you talk a little bit about your backgrounds and how you both came to start Trenta out of Colombia? Sure, absolutely. We both worked as consultants. I did join McKinsey in the Madrid office, but before that I was working in a small consulting boutique in Spain. Most of the projects were in Latin America and my co-founder eventually moved to the Bogota office of that same company. And at McKinsey, I also had the opportunity of doing a long project in Mexico. So we were familiar with the Latin market. It's a market that still has many, many opportunities compared to the West. And we also fell in love with the culture. So when we decided that it was the right time for us to start a company, we knew we wanted to do it in Latin. You guys founded Trenta in 2020. Can you tell us about the mission of the company? Trenta is a startup that wants to help micro-merchants thrive. Our core product is a super app for micro-merchants that offers a range of services, such as bookkeeping, inventory management. Merchants can create an online store. They can also now receive payments. They can access a B2B marketplace. So it's really an ecosystem in which we help businesses solve several pain points, focusing on businesses that up until that point weren't really digitized. They had never used a digital product before. We calculate that there are 50 million micro-merchants in LATAM, which generate a third of the economy. How do you guys define micro-businesses or micro-merchants? Well, the classical definition is that they have less than 10 employees, but in reality, the majority of them are just a single proprietor. Most of them operate a small store. They only accept cash. They are not even formally registered businesses. 
I saw that something like 90% still use pen and paper for all record keeping and accounting. That's right. So when we decided that we wanted to do Trenta, really it was a top-down approach. We knew that there was this very large problem in the market that a big chunk of the population wasn't digitized. And we knew that this was unsustainable in the long run. After we had identified that problem, we thought of the best way to digitize them. You guys have seen huge growth in transaction volume and active users. Can you give us some figures on the growth so far? We launched around two years ago. We now have 5 million users across 18 countries that record in the platform hundreds of millions of transactions every month. And as a startup, we have also raised over $60 million. We have 250 people spread across the region. I know your Series A raised in April for about $46 million, which is, I believe, one of the largest Series A in Colombia and Latin America. Congratulations on that. And you said 18 countries across Latin America. Does that include Central America too? Yes, we are present in all of Spanish-speaking LATAM plus Brazil. And today, Brazil and Colombia are our main markets. Trento refers to your two selling points of saving 30 minutes a day and increasing efficiency 30%. Um, can you talk a little bit about that value proposition and how you came to find out that that was possible? When we first launched Trenta, we had the hypothesis that saving time for our merchants was the key value prop. Trenta, as most people will know, means 30 in English. The name really came out of the fact that they could save 30 minutes a day by using us. It turns out that this is true and is relevant, though it's more about the extra insight that people get by using our product. So the fact that once they get to use Trenta, they suddenly feel much more in control. They know the numbers of their business and then you can take better decisions because of the fact that they have this data. When you initially had your hypothesis and looked at the customer segment, did you feel that there was also a major challenge in folks used to using pen and paper for so long in terms of habit? Absolutely. It's very hard to digitize small businesses. There is a set of reasons for that, cultural habits, uh, lack of tools until recently, etc. That's why we decided to start in 2020, the pandemic, because there was a time of big economical challenge and pressure. It's also a time where habits of everyone changed. People had more time in their hands. So people would be more willing than ever before to try out new things. One of the keys for Trenta's traction was that our strategy was minimizing the resistance to change. So the way we built our product was by looking at what they did before us. They had a notebook, they recorded their transactions. At the end of the day, they see how much they generated. They balance it out with cash balance, other kinds of payments with a bank statement or whatever. And that's really the only active management that they did. Just a very simple control mechanism to make sure that nothing is missing. So the first version of Trenta and still today is a very simple dashboard 
that allows them to record sales and expense transactions, which replicates what they already did before in pen and paper. It's much easier to convince someone to instead of record your transactions in this notebook, you can record them in this app. Once they get used to this relatively simple behavior, we can start introducing them to the rest of the features. That makes sense. What exactly was the process in terms of finding product market fit? Were you out there a lot talking to these folks, experimenting and doing pilots? Yes, it was very systematic. We did follow the lean startup methodology by the book. It took one developer three weeks to launch the first version. We launched a new update every single week for four months, being on the streets, me and my co-founders, speaking with users every single day, prioritizing our backlog. Sometimes when we launched a new feature, maybe it wasn't as intuitive as we had previously thought and we had to roll that feature back because it wasn't that in value. I think user experience as a whole is the most important thing that we have in our product. After the four months mark, we had a set of updates which included inventory management, which was really something new for our users because they do have a simple record of what they sell, but most of them don't really do much. When we included that feature, we saw how it really took off, like retention metrics, engagement, recommendation, etc. SMBs can often be harder to monetize than larger enterprises. Did you anticipate challenges related to that aspect? And what is the monetization plan for longer term? Our core product is free. So much of our users just access the bookkeeping functionality, inventory management. They can create an online store. We knew it had to be this way since day one. We had a few hypotheses of the monetization business models. They all turned out not to be true. Now we are monetizing via things that we didn't know two years ago. We realized that if you want to monetize a micro business in LATAM, it has to be with something that immediately and directly increases sales, reduces costs, or gives them access to financial services. Because if the impact on increased profits is indirect, it will be very hard. We are monetizing via a POS terminal that we recently launched. We have a B2B marketplace in which merchants can find products um, that are cheaper to their current suppliers most of the time. And we also allow merchants to resell via 30 digital products like streaming services, increasing the amount of revenue that they get without any investment. Any sense of what you tried that not work? We piloted a lot of things. Since day one, we weren't married with one business model. We have done pilots for freemium. In terms of payments, we initially started with peer-to-peer -peer payments. We wanted to monetize our online store, being more like a Shopify. Uh, we tried drop shipping. Since our core mission is helping micro-businesses thrive, it gives us a lot of flexibility. And maybe five years from today, a POS terminal doesn't make sense and we need to switch to peer-to-peer -peer payments or to QR payments, whatever. And that's fine. I think that's one of the keys of our model. When you saw this micro-merchant, micro-business market, had it not really been tapped by any 
of the bigger financial services providers. I know e-cash and online banking for certain customers is a big thing in Latin America, but I'm guessing that this market had not really been catered to. Not really. In Latin America, in the last 10 years, we have seen a first wave of business digitization that has focused on SMBs, so slightly larger companies. In the micro segment, we have only seen in Brazil uh, significant digitization. In the rest of the continent, most of the products that were being launched, either by establishment players or startups, didn't have the right user experience or tried to do something too advanced for the type of segment they were after. So uh, trying to offer them a wallet since day one, which um, wasn't the right approach in my view. You mentioned the pandemic, Luis. What was your experience for finding capital, building the team, converting customers during that period? Overall, it was the catalyst for change. In terms of doing some basic research, at times it was more complicated because obviously during lockdown periods, you cannot be as close to the customer as you would ideally want. So we had to do some research online in terms of building the team. It could have been beneficial to a certain extent. A lot of people rethought their careers and wanted to do something more meaningful. Capital really was dry when we first launched, but after six months or a year, we began to see the boom in venture capital investment globally. And specifically in LATAM, 2021 in LATAM, we saw 5x the amount of dollars than in 2020. So it was really something unheard of. And now, of course, we have another changing macro environment. How has your experience been with the current funding environment? The way we see it is in order to get the same valuation, our metrics need to be not only much better, like three or four times higher than what they would have been last year, but also with better unit economics, better payback, better retention, etc. So it definitely makes the bar higher, but at the same time, it makes you focus on the important things. It's true that last year we had a focus on top line that disregarded what was really important, which is making a company that can be sustainable in the long run. Do you have a sense of where you go from here in terms of expansion and how you plan to use the new funding that you have going forward? Our key focus right now is to strengthen our ecosystem. We have a core product, which is the free layer. And then we have this add-on with payments and B2B marketplace. We are now improving the product so that it feels much more like an ecosystem. In a couple of years, it needs to feel like you are part of one thing and not a core component plus add-on. So we need to make the experience much more flawless. I will give you an example. Today, if you're a user and, and you have our POS terminal, you get money via the POS terminal. We send that money to your account every 24 hours. But if you buy something in our marketplace, it's not an integrated ecosystem. We are building the link internally 
so that it feels like a flawless experience. In terms of other things that we will launch, lending is one that will be more in the near term, very underserved. Uh, the lack of data in the traditional market makes it so that good candidates subsidize bad candidates and there's an overall lack of credit in the system. And more as an overall vision in the next three to five years, Trenta needs to be an absolute no-brainer for all small merchants. Today, if we made everyone use Trenta, I think it would be useful for the vast majority of people, but maybe it's not a no-brainer for everyone. I want it to be a no-brainer. In terms of smartphone penetration in Colombia and throughout Brazil and the rest of the continent, it's quite high these days. So even if merchants are using pen and paper, most of them have the key tool, which is the smartphone, right? Absolutely. Virtually everyone uses smartphones nowadays among middle-aged individuals and adults, the rate of penetration grew drastically. It was less than 20% in 2014, and now it's over 80% within that segment. So it has been very fast compared to every other region in the world. Plus LATAM leads the charts in use of social media, texting applications, YouTube, etc. It's a very good market to have a product that is a mobile app. The challenge that we have is not all smartphones are high range. Uh, most of them are on the cheaper side, low memory. Um, people in LATAM still sometimes struggle with stable connectivity, which adds a challenge in our product development. It's something also that we had very clear since day one, building a product in a way that faces all of those challenges. Am I right that Android is a bigger platform for mobile in Latin America versus iOS, or is it pretty even? That's correct. At least in our segment, it's around 90% Android. We are actually only available in Android as of today. We will launch in iOS this October or, or November. And the reason is it tends to happen that even if iOS is a very small percentage of the overall market, it tends to correlate with more high value users. Now that we are monetizing, we decided to also put emphasis into iOS. Are you generally in the bigger cities? Have you yet moved more rural where I'd assume there are a ton of micro merchants as well in smaller towns and villages? In our core offering, our free functionality, we have a significant penetration in both urban and, and semi-rural. We are missing the extremes, meaning the wealthiest areas of the largest cities and the very, very rural parts. But everything outside of that, we have a good penetration. It's true that when we are monetizing via POS terminals, B2B marketplace, it's a bit more difficult to penetrate outside of the large cities at this stage. If you think about your journey so far, what would be the biggest scaling challenges you've encountered and the biggest lessons you've taken away from dealing with those obstacles? After the initial stage of ideation, trying to find product market fit, almost every problem turns into an organization problem people problem, 
who should you hire, how you structure your management processes, all of that turns into the biggest challenges. We were very fortunate to raise two very large rounds in under a year, but that also came with very high expectations that up until this day we have fulfilled, but that forced us to grow very fast. So we have grown our team from 20 a year ago to over 250 today. It does bring some challenges. We are constantly changing the way that we work internally to be as efficient as possible. If I had to pinpoint the specific things that I would do different, there are many related to organization. Are you 250 employees? How dispersed are they around the globe or Latin America more specifically? Everyone is in Latin America. We have one office in Bogota. Generally speaking, Colombia has 60 to 70% of our employees. The rest are spread across the continent, uh, mostly remotely in... Given the remote work debate that's going on these days, in your Colombia office, do most folks work in the office or are they more hybrid these days? Trenta has always been in the office since day one in August of 2020, except the technical team, which at some point turned into, into remote because it was basically need that the labor market required. And also it allowed us to get talent in different places. But the core team that decided on product strategy, roadmap, go-to-market strategy has always been in the office. And as all companies, but especially startups, debate whether it's worth it to even have an office versus remote collaboration. Are you of the opinion that it is really important to have those sorts of teams working together in person majority of the time? Totally. I'm of the opinion that it is helpful, and especially in startups that are more earlier stage. Even now, it seems large companies like Apple and Tesla are starting to believe that productivity, creativity, and a bunch of different things are better when people get together. I absolutely believe that. I want to ask you about your participation in Y Combinator, how that impacted Trenta's journey. I believe that it has a ton of value, especially for those people that weren't in the startup ecosystem before. Sometimes founders think that starting a company is something that you should do in a vacuum, where in reality, these days, there is a bunch of best practices out there around hiring, product development, fundraising, analytics, setting objectives that can really help you a lot. It has never been easier to start a company. You have all of these best practices. 10 or 15 years ago, you didn't have Y combinators around that. And then also from a more technical side, you didn't have the AWSs that help you go much, much faster in product development. It was definitely uh, incredibly helpful and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Y Combinator. If you had to give a single piece of advice to young entrepreneurs, whether in the sort of fintech space or not, what kind of advice would you give to them based on what you've experienced so far? Generally speaking, you should pick something to work on that you really care about. Every single startup is very difficult to make happen. It's probably the most 
difficult thing that one can do professionally. Success will always be stacked against you. Given that it will be difficult doing something that you can be passionate about, that's something that I would recommend because there will always be bumps in the way. And in those situations, it does really make a difference doing something that you care about. Right. If you're not passionate about what you're working on, it would be pretty easy to give up, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Building a startup is a very emotional process. Something that people tend to underestimate. It's highs can be very high, lows can be very low. So being able to manage that is important and having something to appeal to, which should be the mission of the company is very important. Were you prepared for that kind of emotional journey or was it surprising how emotional it has been? I didn't expect it as much. It's true that I have been fortunate and most of the things that have happened have been extremely positive. I haven't been so much in the lows so far. I tend to be a bit more stoic compared to a lot of people. It does help me out a little bit. When you look at the Latin America landscape in terms of fintech and SMBs, and especially micro merchants, are there any key trends emerging that you think are really critical to keep an eye on, both for observers like myself, but also for participants like you? One of the key trends has been the democratization of financial services. This has been very recent, this phenomenon. So there has been an incredible boom of new startups that enable open banking APIs, plug and play solutions, such as lending as a service, white uh, label wallets, etc., that make it very, very easy for everyone to become a fintech startup. And as Trenta, we're in the receiving end of that. So we can leverage that to offer many of these services at a much lower effort. This started to happen in the US a few years ago, but in LATAM, has really been very recent. A lot of people say that currently in LATAM, we are putting the roads and highways to the infrastructure to really enable growth. So that's one that I'm very excited about and I think is one of the most transformational ones. And within SMBs, we are moving towards a trend of one-stop shops becoming more and more popular. It used to happen that if you had a product, fintech or not, that was very focused in one specific thing, like a payment startup or investing or lending startup, you could be very successful just by doing that one thing right with great customer experience, stable product, good user experience, and that's it. That's the basis upon which some of the biggest fintechs in the continent were built increasingly with more startups, more competition, more capital, the better customer experience comes when the user, be it really a SMB or it could be also a consumer, can do more than one thing in one place. As a consumer, I don't want to have a product for payments, for investing, for lending. I want to do everything in the same place. So I think we will see an increasing trend towards one-stop shops and ecosystems versus more, more verticalized one solution type of startups. You mentioned expanding into lending. It sounds like that is to a certain degree 
part of that one-stop shop. I just wanted to clarify on that. Will Trenta be the lender or is it more about being a facilitator of lending? Initially, we will use partners for lending and for almost everything new that appears in Trenta, uh, which makes it much easier. Our focus is go-to-market, building the right user experience. And in lending, we have one of the biggest competitive advantages because we have access to data that no one else really has of microtransactions. As you look over the horizon the next five to 10 years for Trenta, how will you measure success and to what extent does it involve growing into bigger kinds of merchants than just the micro biz? The core focus will remain micro merchants because all of our ecosystem has been built thinking of small merchants, which is the bigger part of the market. It is true that when launching payments and different things as a company, you feel tempted to go after the bigger merchant because the economics say that it's worth it. But when you look at the overall market, micro merchants are an incredibly big market. So success, for me, it has to be something very, very big. Uh, It's one of our values as well, thinking big. We do not want to end up focusing on a niche of the market, settling for something profitable but small. We want to be something that is impactful, and that means really, really big. Every startup should measure success only once they are sustainable and they do not require outside capital, which is something that coming back to 2021, people maybe forgot that you have very, very successful startups that are worth 20, 30 billions that are still not sustainable. Until you are sustainable, you're not really a success. Well, it sounds like you're well on your way to being sustainable. Thank you, Elise, for taking so much time to speak today. Thanks, Daniel, for having me. It has been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of McKinsey on Startups. Thanks as always to our stellar podcast production team, Molly Carlin, Sid Ramtree, Myron Shergan, and Polly Noah. And of course, thank you for listening. This has been McKinsey on Startups, hosted by Daniel Eisenberg. We welcome your feedback, so please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you join us next time for more broad global perspectives on the challenges and opportunities for accelerating growth. Thanks for listening.